Turn in your Bibles to First uh, Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five, uh, and as we uh, begin to tie up our study in the book of First Peter, uh, what a great uh, study this has been, timely for us, uh, and this idea that. Uh, in the midst or behind enemy lines, if you will, uh, that we are God's people, and what does that look like? Uh, I realize that some of you have played in, uh, you've played games before. Some of you have played, you know, you like basketball, so you've played in basketball leagues or even pickup leagues, and uh, some of you have played other sports, tennis, and uh, some of you even think you're golfers and stuff like that, and, but, uh, you you know that there's a difference between games, right? Um, so we, that like you could play, uh, you could go out this afternoon, maybe go out to the field here and play Sunday softball. Uh, that's a big deal, isn't it, Gary? Yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, but it's not the World Series, right? There's a big gap between Sunday softball and the World Series. And this morning, as we look to God's Word, uh, I, I want you to get the picture. I, I think it's very important that we get the picture how important, how important this is, what we're talking about. Uh, how desperate the situation, how dangerous the situation, uh, and how uh, careful we need to be uh, to be God's people in the midst of the days that he has for us. We've been working through the book of 1 Peter, and uh, we are talking about persevering under trial, uh, really how to, how to fight the battle, if you will. And uh, we get to the end of the book of 1 Peter, and he has some very distinct words for us. Uh, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you the first nine verses of 1 Peter just to give us context, and then today we'll be looking at verses 8 and 9. God's Word says this, So I exert, exhort the elders among you, a, a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. <clears throat> God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the encouragement of your word. Help us to receive it this morning and be strengthened by it, that we might be uh, able to stand this week as we walk with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> 
As we look at this passage, we've just gone over in the last weeks the idea of being humble, humble, and in being in humble relationship uh, with God, but even with one another, to be humble. And, and we looked last week and we saw that uh, God opposes the proud. He, those who are proud, he's against them. And uh, as we think about that, we need to remember in relationship to one another and to him, we are to be humble people. Now he turns, now he turns to uh, our enemy, the adversary, the difficulties of this life. And so as we look at this this morning, we are going to see really how to fight. How do we fight uh, in these days? And I think it's uh, appropriate for us in this time. Uh, It's easy to get wound up. How many of you have been wound up this week about something? Some of you have been good at it. You've been working at this for weeks now. This wasn't just last week. It's been weeks. And I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, I, I can easily get spun up and forget uh, who I am and who my God is. And in this passage, we're going to really focus on how do we live? How do we live in our day and age? How do we live and persevere? And, and uh, really, this is the basis for the good fight. This is the basis for it, how we fight and the basis for it, okay? And so we look down, we first see our attitude or your attitude or my attitude. You can even put your name in there, Kevin's attitude, not for you. Insert your own name. Um, It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. These two uh, um, things that he gives us, uh, he puts there in a very like simple way. At the front of the sentence, it, grammatically, it, it's very, it, it's like marching orders. It's not a whole lot of flowery words around it, describing it. It's just two, boom, boom. These are the things that you are to be. Uh, it, is, it is a strong, strong command, a strong exhortation. And really, it's a call to be different. I, I really think that that's important for us to remember if you go along with the flow of life, you will be like everyone else, and there will be a crash landing in the end. It won't work out well for you, as it doesn't work out well for our world. If you just jump in the parade, if you follow along with what's going on, and you forget who you are and who God has called you to be, uh, it's going to not turn out well for you or for me. We're called to think differently. And I would say it this way too, because of the day and the danger, right? Uh, Because of the day and the danger, I guess this is the the World Series aspect of it, right? I always think it's interesting that the preparation for, uh, as a a sports team goes from preseason where they just come out and they remember where their glove is and where their bat and remember how to throw a baseball and they're just kind of messing around and getting the, the kinks out and then they'll play some games and the games don't count. Uh, It's just kind of hanging out, and they laugh more, and uh, people get to play who aren't that good, and there's a sense of just kind of moving along, and then there's even the beginning of the season, and it's interesting, even in professional sports, there's this idea that, yeah, we'll just win a few games, we'll be close enough to get into the playoffs, and then it continues to ratchet up, it continues to increase in intensity, and then it becomes the end all, right, the thing that matters most. 
I think that uh, it's important for us to remember as life gets more complicated, as we see an intensity come, there should be an intensity in us as well uh, to do the simple things that God calls us and for us to remember what our marching orders are. This is not a time, uh, maybe even the idea of a World Series isn't even a good enough analogy. It's life or death. It's life or death. As we look at this passage, we realize this is life or death. This is not something that is a game. And so uh, we see these two, uh, these twin calls for us to be sober-minded and to be watchful. First of all, sober-minded. This is the third time, the third time that he has brought up this idea of sobriety. And I think most of us understand the word sober, and we quickly connect it to the idea of drunkenness, and rightly so. This is not, though, the idea of don't drink alcohol. This is not what this passage is. He writes this three times in the book of First Peter. We see it in verse chapter one, verse thirteen. He says. Uh, be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, "Be sober-minded. Set your. Remember the gospel. Remember your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What He gave you, His grace." And then once again in chapter four, he says, "Be sober-minded for the sake of your prayers." Uh, and now he says, "Be sober-minded. Uh, be watchful." He continues this, and he's going to tell us why. I, I want to tell you, and I, I, it's hard for me to get out the words to describe this well enough, but this is not an emotional response. I, I know that most of us are very emotional people, and we, we say, well, how are you feeling today? You know, you seem down, or you seem excited, or you seem angry. We're emotional people, and the point here is this, that we are not to be driven, emotional-minded, feeling, rage-type people. We are to be sober-minded people. Sober-minded. Can you imagine, back to the idea of drunkenness, um, is it good to be sober? Is it good to be sober or to be drunk? Is it good to be sober or are you good to be drunk? Some of your afraid to answer because you're getting sucked in here, right? You know, I appreciate someone who's been to church before. Don't answer anything. Don't answer anything. It's a trap. It's a trap. Sober-minded. I've heard of people talk about in this day and age about drunk texting. Drunk texting. You know, so you you, uh, lost control, you drank too much, and then you got some things that you want to share, then you got some things you want to say. That's bad, right? Uh, uh, chances are that's not going to end out end up very well, right? Drunk texting. <clears throat> what about drunk driving? Yikes, right? Um, it, you know, we we've heard enough stories about the the evils of that and how that can end up, and uh, it can end up bad for the driver. Uh, they take their life into their own hands, but it also can end up bad for others, right? The idea of drunk driving, that, that's awful, right? We understand. Why? Why is it bad to be drunk while driving? Well, uh, the results, what could happen? What could happen? What about a drunk police officer? 
put a gun in his hand and he, he wants to go take care of business and is, he's impaired because of the alcohol and he starts pulling out his gun and really wanting to show people who's in charge. That could uh, end up poorly, right? What about a drunk surgeon? You know, I, he got a heart surgery, and I just, had, I just had a great lunch, and sat at the bar for a while, and had a few drinks, but I'm pretty sure I've done this before. Uh, I, I think I can still do it. I can still do it, right? We realize to be impaired or to be uh, not clear in your thinking for certain activities would be deadly, would be destructive, The picture here is this, that as we live this life behind enemy lines, being pressured by trials and suffering, he says, be sober-minded, be clear thinking. And and I want to encourage you, uh, there's not a good way to say this, not so, right? Don't flip out. In the midst of the pressures of this life, uh, sometimes we think the play or the call is that I just need to flip out. I just need to vent. I need to rage. I can act this way because of the pressure of this life. The scripture calls us, God is calling us in the midst of difficult times to be different. And what is that difference? To be sober in our mind. Sober. And really to get that too, that it is in our mind. It's the idea of how we are thinking about things. It's important to realize that it is uh, different. It is different. This is not a walk on the beach. This is not a walk on the beach. I, growing up in Santa Barbara, there's been many days where you're just walking along the beach and there, there's not a care in the world. You're not fearful of anything. You're just walking on the beach. You, you know, your, your greatest care is if you can find a, a good rock for skipping in the sand, right? There's no cares about it. There's no danger. Uh, th- this is, I think, I remember I'm not a hiker or a mountain climber or um, any of those things, okay? Um, but I remember seeing a movie one time where uh, it, it, the first scene was a, a, a rock climber, and you, and you see him up close, and, and he says, oh boy, he's rock climbing, and then you, you pan out, you pay, they, the camera pans out, way, way out, and it's Yosemite, and it's Half Dome, and he's on the side of this rock, and I go, your heart starts racing as you realize what's going on. There's, there's, a, different, there's a difference between a walk on the beach and climbing on half dome, right? Uh, There's that one slip and that one thing that happens and you'll fall to your death. And, uh, you know, the worst thing that can happen on the beach is you get tar, right? Uh, It's nothing nothing all that dramatic. And, And he's calling us to think differently about this, that we would be sober minded. And, and I want to, I want to warn you about something. Um, I don't want to, talk too personally because then you won't come back next week, but uh, some of you, some of us, some of us all here, right? Uh, we're not that great of thinkers. We're not, we're not, we don't practice sober thinking. And, and you know what we also do? We hang out with other crazy people, right? And we spin each other up. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to think that through. 
both your impact on other people to think in, in sobriety and sober thinking, but also uh, if you're struggling with this, why are you hanging out with those people? Why are you listening to them? If you can't handle being on Facebook, why are you? Or hanging out in the parlor or wherever that other place is. Uh, I, I want to tell you, if you can't watch the news, don't watch the news, right? And I, I want to encourage you that this is not about uh, whether we're getting the news or knowing the news or thinking right about the news. This is an issue of your own life in Christ. How you're doing spiritually, walking with him, thinking through the day, living behind enemy lines. He says, uh, sober-minded. And then secondly, he says, watchful, watchful. I hate to say this, but the idea of watchful is to be woke. It is. It's to be alert. It's, it's the idea of you're not sleeping. You're not sleeping. It's the idea that you are alert seeing what's going on. Your eyes aren't closed. And it's not about what's so much what's going on, but that you are assessing the danger through the eyes of God and aware of the enemy. We're going to get to that in a moment. So you're, the idea of you're alert and awake. I think so often... Uh, we, we say, oh, it doesn't matter right now. It's time for a nap. Oh, it doesn't matter. Life is not that important. Back to the beach, you know, it's just la- lazing around on the beach. In a time of war, the idea of hanging out on the beach may not be a very good place for you, right? Exposed. And so as he combines these two words, they're, they're the idea of being clear thinking, clear thinking and awake, clear thinking and awake. This is, and I want to say it this way, this is how we fight. This is what it is to be in a spiritual war. We are to be sober-minded, sober-minded and alert. Sober-minded and alert. I would encourage you, especially as days intensify, for you to say, what's God doing today? What's his plan for me today? Not, not just what is he doing in his plan. That might be hard to see. But what in my little section of the world, and your section is so little. You know why I know? Because my section is so little. And we're, our sections are about the same, right? Our, our small little world. And we need to know that God is working out his plan. He, he continues to uh, be one who is the king of kings that works these things out. And that we are his subjects, his children. And that we hold a very small piece of the puzzle. Very small. And so we need to ask over and over again, God, what are you doing in my world? What do you want me to do today? How, how do you want me to, to live? I, I want to have my eyes open. I want to I be sober. I want to be clear thinking sober-minded and alert. There's a reason for this. We first saw we have, it's our attitude or your attitude. Now we see your enemy, your enemy. As we look at uh, verse 8, he says, uh, I'm sorry, verse, yeah, verse 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. And then he says this, your adversary, the devil, 
prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We have an enemy, uh, adversary, this, this idea of opponent, someone against us. And I, I want you to, to be careful to think this through. It, it's very important. Is God your enemy? No. no. You've been his enemy. You, you've been, I've been his enemy, but he is not our enemy. Sometimes we get this idea that, that and some of you are shocked that I'm even going here, but like sometimes we get this idea that we're supposed to be fighting against God, that that's an appropriate thing, that I want my way and God has another plan and somehow I should fight his plan. That's ridiculous. He is not our enemy. And so first and foremost, you should know and I should know that it's not God that we are fighting. And if we are, we're on the wrong team. God is not our enemy. Secondly, I'd say this. Um, it's, also not, it's also not your mother-in-law. I said that because she's going to come to the next service. Uh, it's not your boss or your neighbor. It's not a political party. It's not a president. It's not any of those things. It's not the other team. There's an enemy that you have, an adversary that you uh, are against, but you need to know who it is. It's very important. You have an adversary. Um, If you don't have an adversary, there's a sense of letdown. Ah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But he says, remember, be sober-minded, be watchful. Why? Because you have an adversary. You have an enemy. Most of us don't like to think about that, myself included. I like to think, everyone loves me, and I, you know, if I'm falling apart, it's just my own weakness, and that, that's all there is. There, there's nothing going on here. No, I have an adversary. In this particular passage, he identifies our adversary as the devil. And I just say it this way, the, the, the identification as the devil is the slander of God and his people. The one who brings accusation against God and his people. This is the one that is our adversary. And so as we look at this, it's important for us to remember um, it, that God has a plan, that God has a plan. He's working it out. We can trust him. He is not our adversary, but we also have an adversary. He is the devil. He also has a plan, and he's seeking to work it out. He's seeking to work it out. I I want you to get that, and it's going to be very descriptive here as he describes it. So we have an adversary. He's identified as the devil. The devil is the one who slanders God and his people, brings accusation, and what is it that is his plan? Well, um, we see what the devil does, how he goes about his business. There's really just three or four uh, pieces of this that we get. Um, it says, your adversary, the devil, what does he do? He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's the grand plan of your enemy, that that's what his desire is. It's not really a grand plan, by the way, right? It's not this, uh, you know, I'm going to do this, and this is going to happen here, and it's going to cause this. All it is, all it is, is destruction. 
really of picking someone off, right? The description here is uh, of a, a lion. How many of you have seen a lion at the zoo? How many of you have seen a lion at the zoo sleeping? You know, they're a lot like uh, a young man, a lot like a young man. They'll sleep for 20, 24 hours a day, and then they'll kill their prey the, the other couple hours, right? And it's really just a few moments that they'll do something incredible, and the rest of the time they're sleeping, right? By the way, your enemy is not described as a sleeping lion, a sleeping lion. He's not. He's not sleeping. You may, you know, it's kind of, it's funny that you would even, kids have stuffed animals of lions, right? And they sleep with them at night, right? And we love that idea of just this, oh, you know, just soft, all kinds of hair, and just this cute little lion, I just want to snuggle up with him, and I want to tell you, it's all fun and games, until they're the roaring lion, roaring lion. This is the description of your and my enemy, a roaring lion. Well, what is he doing? Uh, he's seeking. He's seeking. He, he's, he's wandering around. He, he's, he's pursuing. He, you know, we, I think we all have that picture in our mind of the documentaries from Africa where the lion is going around and he's looking for the one. He's looking for the target. And he doesn't want to get them all. He probably would want to get them all, but he only needs one, right? I only need dinner. I only need to get by. And the the idea is he's looking for someone to devour. It's interesting. uh, There's a uh, kind of a a trick or a strategy in sports sometimes. I don't know if you've ever known this, where you, you set up the other team. You set them up. You, you act like you aren't aware of something. I remember watching a baseball game one time where uh, they called in a, a guy from the team and uh, to pinch hit, and he gets up there, and it was, a, it was a tense game, and he was a great hitter. He just wasn't playing that day, and there were runners on, and, and he stands up there, and the first thing he does is he just stands there with a bat on his shoulder. And it was kind of one of those things where they knew that they weren't going to really give him a good pitch to hit, and so the first one goes by, and it's a ball. And then he leaves his bat on his shoulder, and then it's a strike. And he continues to leave his bat on the shoulder, and it's another strike. And his bat is on his shoulder, and right before the pitcher pitches, he gets ready, and he just ropes one. And what he did was he acted like he was asleep. He acted like it wasn't going to work out, and then he performed. And you watch the, the, uh, the lion as he walks around, and it's just kind of a sleepy, like, I'm not doing anything here. I'm just kind of hanging out. And I'm walking around, but as he's walking around, his eye is on him, and he's seeking someone. He's going, "Eh, it's not going to be you, but it might be you. You're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. Yeah, don't don't mind me. I'm just kind of hanging out here. You do what you got to do, and I'm going to do. And then at at the moment, the lion desires, what does he do? He pounces. And by the time the, the one, the, the prey, uh, understands that it's dangerous, what happens? That it's already too late. The picture here it, for us is this, that we are to be sober-minded, alert. Why? Because that, that's our attitude. Why? Because we have an enemy. 
And the enemy has a purpose and an idea and a plan. And what is his plan? He's trying to pick people off. Individuals. And I want to tell you, this is very personal, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's not like he's going to get us all, but you should just make sure it's not you, right? We have an enemy. This enemy is the devil. He's a slanderer of God and his people. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, seeking someone's destruction, someone's ruin. This is the importance of us walking with God today. Is it important for you to pray today? Is it important for you to hear from God and His Word? To be with God's people? To worship Him? To seek to be part of the body of Christ and the fellowship and to encourage one another? Is it important? Is it important? It's interesting, in this passage, as you look, uh, I read earlier in chapter 5, he says the elders do what? Uh, Shepherd the flock of God. The flock's supposed to be together. Sheep aren't meant to live alone. They're meant to be fed and taken care of and healthy. And as sheep are in the flock together, they're protected. They're safe. But if they're not watchful, if they're not uh, people who are alert... They become the meal for the roaring lion, our adversary. We move on to our activity, and this is part of what I would call, uh, as he's already talked about, spiritual warfare. Now I, I believe he's talking about it again. He goes back to it. How do we escape this roaring lion? It says, verse 9, resist him, resist him. And I, I want to I give this to you. How, how do you fight spiritually? How do you do this? You resist, you resist. You can see this in different places. It's the idea of not moving. It's standing firm in your faith. You can see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the last verse. You can see it in the book of James, in the book of James. How do you, uh, how do, you do that? You draw near to God. You, you resist the devil and he'll flee from you. This, this idea that we stay in our position with God. Stay in Christ. Stay clinging to our faith. He's going to go on to say this, but, but the picture here is resist him. Th- this is what it is to be obedient in spiritual warfare, is to not go along. When you see enemy activity in your life and around you, what should you do? Stay with God. Continue the patterns of faithfulness. Continue to be inside the flock. This is your spot. And so he calls us to resist him. Resist your enemy. Don't go along with him. Don't play on his field. Don't obey his calls for you to do something different. It gives this description of uh, resist him firm in your faith. Firm in your faith. Firm in your faith is the idea of you keep going back uh, to the right answer you already had in the gospel. I still trust in Jesus today. I still am in communication with him. I still am uh, forgiven because of Jesus. I don't move firm in my faith. He gives us um, an interesting encouragement 
uh, for us to resist him firm in our faith. He says this, knowing that the same kinds of suffering, the, the, the suffering that they were experiencing, those same kinds of suffering and others, uh, suffering like this, are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Meaning this, meaning this, that, that we have brothers and sisters throughout the whole world that we have never met. And we won't meet, but we will meet. We will meet in heaven. That we will be as close to them as anybody. That we will share in the eternal life that has been. We, we will have that in heaven. But these brothers and sisters that we've never met are experiencing the same persecution and suffering throughout the whole world. And we go, oh yeah, we're part of something bigger. We, we play our little role in something bigger. And this is common for God's people. Why? Because God's people have an enemy. That enemy, that enemy is the devil, the slanderer of God's people. And he's looking for people to devour. We should gain encouragement knowing that we are not alone in this. And I'd say it this way too that it's worth it at all costs, at all costs. When you hear of, uh, even as in our time and place, that we hear throughout the world that there are people dying for their faith, being persecuted and suffering to the point of death, and you say, wow, that's amazing. We should gain great encouragement for that. Why? Well, Because we may not be suffering to that degree, but if it's worth it for them, it's certainly worth it for us as well. A lesser, in a lesser sense of suffering. He was encouraging them uh, to remember that even if it costs you your life, it's worth it. And it's worth it throughout the world. As we see this, um, this is what it is to be a part of the family of God. Maybe we'll one day have suffering like this. I I can't quite imagine it. I know it can be true, but maybe we'll have suffering like this. Maybe. But but whatever kind of suffering it is, know this, that the enemy's trying to use that suffering, trying to use that pain to cause us to lie down, to forget about him. And it makes us susceptible. And so he's calling us, he's exhorting us, Peter is, to be people that are sober-minded and alert. Let me give you three things as we tie up our passage this morning. Two things to acknowledge and one place to stay. First, that we should acknowledge uh, that losing it or flipping out is not the play for God's people. I want to encourage you, uh, not, don't flip out, don't flip out. Don't, don't find it, losing it is, is the, the play for you. As God's people, that's not who we are to be. In fact, it makes us susceptible to dangers of our enemy. Second thing is we're to acknowledge that the enemy, that we're to acknowledge the enemy behind our enemy. The enemy behind our enemy. Most of the time, we see the person in front of us we see the, the, the hill in front of us and we say, oh, this is my challenge. This is my enemy. This is the person I'm against. I want to tell you it's not them. There's an enemy behind your enemy. 
There's an enemy behind sickness. There's an enemy behind financial disaster. There's an enemy behind it. Don't worry about what's in front of you. Worry about what's behind them. That's our true enemy. And lastly, stay put. Stay put. If you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, stay put. That's your spot. That, that's the stand firm spot, right? That's the, the place where we don't move from, no matter what. No matter what the intensity of the situation, we are called, God desires us to stay put. This is so hard. This is so hard because we, we always think there's a better idea, right? We always think there's a hack to get out of uh, this difficult situation. If I just think longer, I can engineer a better way out of this, right? So I won't have to experience any pain. I want to tell you, it's, in, it, it's critical for us as God's people to just follow along the path that God has for us. If today is a day of perse- uh, persecution and, and trials and suffering, for us to embrace that and say, God, I, I, this is somehow part of your plan. I will trust you. I will walk with you. I won't abandon you. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this time that we could be in your word. I pray that these words would remind us this week of what we are to be and do. God, help us to see clearly uh, spiritual warfare in, in a sense of not uh, of something mystical, but something personal, that there is an enemy that desires my downfall. God, let us not walk in fear, but let us walk uh, as we are trusting and we place our faith and trust in you uh, for our salvation, but also for this day. God, help us to see clearly that we would be sober-minded and alert. God, thank you for your kindness to us. In Jesus' name, amen.